Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast may contain strong language a matter of an aggressively artistic nature. Bringing you insightful interviews from industry insiders across the arts, this is Dark Unicorn in Conversation. Hello, and welcome back to Dark Unicorn in Conversation. My guest today is a character actor, director, producer, across theatre, film and television, who has portrayed a number of endearing and charming roles across her now 10-year career. From playing the nurse to a feisty bunch of uh, well-loved actors in the uh, indie horror film Cockneys vs Zombies, uh, through to appearances on things like Call the Midwife, and a variety of theatre credits, she is perhaps best known to an international audience for her three seasons on Game of Thrones, playing Roose Bolton's new wife, Walda, née Frey, who unfortunately got on the wrong side of stepson Ramsay. Her name is Elizabeth Webster, and as we sat down to talk, we discussed a, a key moment in her early career as we started our chat. Liz, the first day I met you, you told me that you had a moment in your life where you believed that Honor Blackman thought you were a twat. Would you share <laughs> that tale with the viewers? Oh my goodness. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm fairly certain. Oh, and, you know, recently gone as well, which is just, yeah, heart heart rendering. Yeah, absolutely. I, there was this moment so in Cockneys versus Zombies, which was one of my one of my first well, it was my first feature film. I may have lied there. One should one should know their C V really, shouldn't they? That's slightly <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, it's po it's possible that Frequencies was my first feature film, but Cockneys versus Zombies, I suppose you could say my my first feature film of of significance um i'm just so excited to to have the opportunity to work with with these with these brilliant older actors who had been a staple of my childhood and honor blackman was completely and utterly a um I was a complete fangirl over on a Blackman, you know, when, when thinking about acting careers and, and whatever, that, that would be one that you would aspire to. 
um, definitely. Um, for me, um, the uh, the sitcom that, that she was in with um, oh, the upper hand. Yes, the uh, thank you. My brains fell out of my head then. I can only remember the American, the American version, or the only name of the American one. But uh, yeah, so the upper hand was just I d loved that. Loved her. Loved loved everything about it. it was, you know, one of those things. So yes, there's this there's this come comes this moment in filming when um, my the the direction I was given is wait for honor, and it would appear that the direction that honor was given was wait for that actress over there, and um, yeah, so there we were, scene started, action is called, I'm you know looking waiting. And I suspect she's doing the same the other side, looking, waiting, and neither of us move. And then everything stops. <laughs> and uh, everything's and somebody goes over and speaks to on a blackman, and then the first comes and speaks to me and says, So um you you have to go first. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, the instruction I was given was was wait for honour. That's that's not right. No, no, no. That's that's not right. No, no. You 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 go. Right. Okay. I will go. And then about two minutes later, the first comes over and goes. Actually, is that last thing with with? Sorry, my mistake. You wait. You wait for honour. Honour's going first, and then it will be you. Okay. Yeah. Right. Lovely. Fine. Okay. So go back to the original. Great. Camera starts rolling again, scene starts going. I'm looking over in Honor's direction. I assume she's looking over in my direction and nobody moves. And then it all shuts down again. And um, at this point, my heart is in my mouth because I just, I, you know, you know what it's like when something's not going right and you're not sure if it's your fault or not. And uh, yes, so. It all got worked out in the end, and as it turns out, I, I, I was going first, and that, and that was all fine. Third time's a charm. We got it. It was great. It was wonderful. My first opportunity to properly speak to Honor Blackman then is when we're sat in the green room uh, waiting, as you do quite a lot of, and I just I couldn't help myself. I, I had to go over and and apologize and say I'm, that I was so sorry that I, I, th I thought there was a, a misunderstanding. I just, I felt like I had to explain to one <laughs> of my biggest heroes that I'm not a twat. I, <laughs> it's not, you know, dear honor, I'm not a twat. Really, I'm not. I didn't swear in front of Honor Blackman. You'd be very proud of me. <laughs> and was she good about it? Oh, she did, uh, yes, completely and utterly gracious as one would, as one would expect. But then she'd been doing it for such a long time. That can't be the first time an, an inexperienced actor had apparently made a, a mess up of it. But yeah, she was very gracious about it, which well, just I, made I, me love her more. I'm quite sure she was that actress at one point. Um, when did you... I always... I, I, this is how I always phrase this question with people, um, because I always think there's a, a sort of... Um, an element of almost genetics about it really when did you realize you were a performer 
Ooh, good question, Paddy. When did I realise I was a performer? Um, Uh, it's making me laugh because it, uh, uh, trying to think of my earliest memory of doing anything sort of performer related and uh, because my the, all of that all of that side of things came about because my big brother was was in, was incredibly it, I say he was he's not dead he's perfectly alive um is very creative it's just he never went into a, a creative well I suppose he did he's a teacher um, but he he started certainly when we were when we were children. Um, he his love was film and television, and making film and television. So he's seven years older than me as well. So you know by the time I was sort of useful to him in a in a let's make a short film sense. I suppose I was probably five maybe five five or six. It was. It, <laughs> I don't know if it sounds horribly pretentious to say it was very I felt very uh I felt a kinship with Drew Barrymore in E.T. quite a lot <laughs> when I think about my relationship with my brother when we were certainly when I was when I was quite when I was quite little um in in that sense so yeah I mean yes from a from a very young age I would say from a very young age I mean I started performing at um well I started going to drama classes at six when I when I was six because I apparently I don't quite remember this I mean I, I know that my brother my brother went to drama classes because uh, he's dyslexic and at the time his um educational therapist suggested to my parents to help him build confidence and, and whatever to, to get him into a drama club so they did that. And of course, every Friday night I went, you know, diligently along to collect him after his after his drama club and just loved it. You know, when you, when you turn up and they've not finished what, what they're doing and you're seeing all these other kids having a wonderful time doing all these fun things, you, well, I say you want to be a part of it. I'm sure there are people who don't want to be a part of it, but I certainly did want to be a part of it. And um, yeah, so apparently I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged and um by all accounts i was extremely cute and utterly charming and the drama teacher had felt that she had no choice but to <laughs> acquiesce to my request <laughs> to <laughs> to please join the drama club early because she she didn't take anybody before they were seven she took me <laughs> You have been talking yourself into rooms from the age of six. The lesson me out of them again. <laughs> lesson to all of us, though, isn't it? Um, and your because I mean, your, your did your parents have any sort of creative outlet? Um, or was this not, a completely not, alien landscape to them? I don't think completely alien. Um, certain, certainly not my my. I like. I don't get it from nowhere. You're quite right, Paddy. You're quite right. I don't get it from nowhere. I I would say that it's my father that I get it from rather than my mother. Um, but both of both my parents um, 
Yes, yes, very creative. My mum particularly had always had lots of ideas, lots and lots of ideas, big, you know, big, what in the corporate world they call blue sky thinking. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, my dad, my dad, more of a showman. My my dad, more more the peacocking side of side of it. Um, not that he's not a big thinker. He is a big thinker. But um, yes, he he certainly loves he loves a performance. He does. So the two sort of combine. Uh, you, you you had a period where, by your own admissions, of life got in the way, and you came back to formal actor training a, a, a smidgen later than some. Um, do you? That's been kind, Paddy. <laughs> you went. I don't think you went that. You weren't that old when you went back to actor training, were you? I think it was 2020, you graduated in 2005. 26? 26, I think. 26? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, this, is, this is the bit where my research has let me down and therefore I will edit it, so we all look good. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you were born in the early 80s and went in yeah. in Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I think, so I think 2005 would have been 24. Yeah. And so I think I fit, yeah, so I finished finish, training. Finished when you were 26, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 26, yeah, 26, 27, 26, 27, yeah, when I, when I officially launched a professional yeah. career attempt. When you unveiled your brand. Yes. Uh, the, um, <laughs> if, um, if only I'd known back then that that's what I needed to do. <laughs> well, what I was going to ask was, do you think uh, would-be actors benefit from getting a bit of life experience before they undergo all the conservatoire sort of training? I don't know about that because I, I think about I think about chi child actors, kid actors, you know, I think about um, uh, Dakota Fanning. How? How? And, and Millie Bobby Brown, you know, how, how do they how do they know how to do those things that they do at that at that age? I, you know, I yeah, my my jaw is on the floor um, about that. So I, I I don't know. I I suppose I suppose the joyful thing, or one of the joyful things, there are many joyful things about being an actor, but one of the joyful things about being an actor is that it it allows you your individuality. In, in a way that not very many other careers will allow you. So so whatever age you come to it, however you come to it, whatever you've got to bring to it is just as valuable, whether you're eight years old or 28 years old. I suppose from, from the point of view of casting, I mean, the... the the irony being that I've never been cast in a in a corporate role, as it were. So that bit where life got in the way, those those skills that I've got, those experiences that I've had in in a corporate environment, predominantly change management. Um, that I've never I've never had cause to draw on those for a role because I've never been cast as the CEO or the I suppose it, those transferable, you know, the, the 
the way a, a, a character is those transferable skills you know being organized and efficient and professional so none of those roles you know lawyer doctor none of those roles have ever come my way so I don't I don't know how much my my prior career has informed my acting career as as it were I don't know it's yeah I mean it's being a project manager in the world of strategic change doesn't I suppose yeah it's it's Maybe there are sub elements of it that prepare you for being an angry lesbian on a wedding day or um, the. Uh... Excuse me. First, you make us feel unwelcome with your snide homophobic remarks. Oh, Emma, I swear to God, Alison is not homophobic. She was just born in a different era. Then we are made to take our vows in a sauna. Late. 50s. Then you drag us out here, feed us horse meat, and what I can only describe as undistilled battery acid. How would you feel if this was your wedding day? Oh, she's not married. All right, your daughter's wedding day. She hasn't even got a boyfriend. Look, you knew full well that this was our first wedding and there would inevitably be teething trouble. After that welcoming drink, I can hardly feel my teeth. <laughs> she's angry. I think she was just disappointed. Well, disappointed. <laughs> I don't mean angry in a negative way. This is all this world. Um, <laughs> it was just rewatching. I'd forgotten about that. It was just I was rewatching your show reel, and so he's just you know being very forthright with Rebecca Crumb. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yes, I, yes. I suppose so. Being assertive and standing yeah. one's ground. Yes, I suppose I'd learn. I, I, yes, I could bring that to to the table from from the yeah from the strategic change management point of view. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. I, I think that, yeah, in, in terms of casting like that, yeah, absolutely, you know, some of that, that life experience. But what I look like physically doesn't kind of match up to what, to, to the experience that I, that I can bring, really. So, I, yeah, so I, I wonder about that. Perhaps one day, you never know, perhaps one day I will get cast as the lawyer or the doctor or the CEO. Um, yeah, who, who I knows? Hope so, you know, you, you, you have the, <laughs> perhaps one day, perhaps one have, day. You have the gravitas. It's uh, you know, you have the, you know, you've got a good, you've got a good voice. You know. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you put full, very lovely you put to say so. Power behind that. That's <laughs> on the, the, you know, you've got privacy as a CEO. Um, Maybe we just have to make it happen for ourselves, Liz. Maybe I'll just have to create something where I can cast you as a CEO. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, this is this is a big thing, isn't it? It's been a big debate for a, for a really long time. You know, if you're not getting what you want from what's available, then then make it. Make it. And uh, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. I think about um, you know, there there are lots of people out there who've who've made their own work, and I I think that's the one of the it's not upsetting upsetting is the wrong word to use but one of the things that in terms of how we look at success in this particular industry um the when when you are an actor you are front of house aren't you 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 are the face of the thing that you are doing and it's and it's what it's what people know you to be you're front of house and and it, it it's that idea that if you're not front of house you're not doing but i think 
the reality is a creative life i mean I, I, you know look at look at you and all of all of the pies that you've got your fingers in <laughs> living a living a, a creative life you know the, the front of house element for me the front of house element is just a part of that or has just been a part of that the biggest part absolutely um, but you know much like you i've i've well you're not dabbling in production you are full-on like submerged in up to your neck um but yes so in in the past i think li living a, a creative life being a creative person my best outlet for that the thing i'm known best for is the front of house stuff but there are lots of things that i have done and continue to do slightly waylaid again by life as you know at, at this particular juncture but i can absolutely see a future where yeah i i may very well yeah I, not i'm not i may very well do something i'm always certain that i've got producing a film in me and and that's something that i would you know love to do it's on the bucket list um theatre again you know particularly the short form of theatre is something that i i love very much um well, that, that brings me on to, to what i was going to ask you next actually which is that you have spanned your career has spanned most forms of performing arts in some way or another in theatre film television the law do you do you is there a the one of those that you have to sneakily admit is your favorite and 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 if so what what is it about that that draws you more to it yeah short form theater so short theater short play festivals particularly i ha i love watching them and i love being in them um and the the reason for that is because you <laughs> is it wrong to say adhd <laughs> of a particular type you know it's, it's the stimulation factor it's the it's not that i can't do the long form it's not that i don't enjoy the long form um but for me the stimulation that comes with with change i mean perhaps that's why previously i was a change manager because change is something that attracts me and and draws me you know uh, ruminating so much you know particularly recently with everything that's been going on about hu the human condition you know human human what we call human nature sometimes um that idea that our biggest strength is also our greatest weakness and that is our ability to change <laughs> now of course you spent a period of your life uh, attached to one of the minor TV successes of the recent past in the form of Game of Thrones. Uh, little show. Little, 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 show, little show. show. You might have picked it up on, you know, on cable if you were in a hotel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you were in three seasons of that playing Walter Bolton, near Fryer. It must be difficult for you, being in a strange place. This isn't a strange place, this is my home. The people who are strange. Lord Bolton. I am Lord Bolton. 
Ramsay. Ramsay, please. I'll leave Winterfell. I'll go back to the Riverlands. What do you gain and what do you lose when you become irrevocably attached to a major franchise? You gain a level of connection that I can't really describe, actually. When I think about what, what that brought into my world, into my universe in terms of attending the comic cons, um, the, I the first the first comic con that I that I was invited to do I was so scared to to do it so scared, um, because it's not because you because you don't have the character to hide behind you are you are being you you are you are giving people access to you, which is part you know part and parcel of the of the of the job, um, especially at that level. And that you know that that's one of the biggest gains is that you get to experience. I have been a I have been afforded the gift of experiencing, on on a much shorter and much smaller scale, but I've been able to experience what it is like to be a conventionally successful actor, who who is sought out by the people who love the thing that they are in and the thing that they do and the, the world that they you know this creative life that we talk about I've been able to experience a side of it that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have without Thrones and I, ha I have to say although I was so scared that first comic con it was the most wonderful experience I mean I, it, it was it was at Wales comic con in Wrexham and they are no they're known to be absolutely brilliant people the, the organizers are, are known to be brilliant and they really were but the fans were wonderful and it gives you a um it, being an actor can be quite nomadic especially if you're a jobbing actor and especially if you haven't um if you haven't hit on a on being a regular in something or if you if you're not if you're you know if you're working at the level that i work at um it's quite nomadic and you quite often the things that you do you don't feel connected to but with thrones because of everything around it yeah i, I do and and that is something that's going to stay with me so and that's a massive gain that's that's a massive gain what do you lose um again i think it's i think it's different for the for the levels for for me To a certain extent, you lose the ability to weather rejection quite as well as you might have done before. Um, and certainly handling the expectations of other people and, um, you know, and, and managing that because I'm sure that it happens in, in lots of other areas of of life not it, i'm sure that it doesn't just happen to actors but but certainly you you lose you lose the ability to be judged on your own merits there, there are already expectations of you 
that and that's not just in terms of what you know of, of the normal process of getting another job after that one but also everybody who is in your life suddenly has expectations and you can, one can feel that quite acutely <laughs> obviously your character and Walder had, had a, a set character arc within that storyline and and you know and by the time the end I think we're probably far enough along from that having been broadcast for that not to be a major spoiler alert um yeah. I suppose two questions rise out of that for me firstly does a, a finite time on a major series appeal more to you than say the, the prospect of having the blessing and curse of a series regular role on a continuing drama, say. And secondly, have you visited any good kennels recently? <laughs> oh, oh, Paddy. Did I hear that right? Have I visited any good... Kennels recently. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> was what you said <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no is the answer to that and the reason that i haven't visited any good kennels recently is because i'm afraid i will come back with a handful of puppies <laughs> because i wouldn't be able to resist um yes despite despite the murky end i am very much a, an animal lover and very much very much a lover of the dog form uh, even those dogs were adorable despite being incredibly scary um yeah and what was the first question <laughs> does having a finite time on a major series appeal more to you than having a, a series regular role on a continuing series i can see how i can see how it would be appealing i can i for me for me personally the, this this theme that often comes back with me about stimulation and needing change and needing difference i can see how how it how that then does appeal but for me having done that to a certain extent um the opportunity to experience what it's like to be lead cast or regular cast is something that would you know that another bucket list item you know when when you when you think about what you would like to achieve within your creative life yeah absolutely i would i yeah a series regular on on something would be great also from the point of view I'd, i've spoken to this with some with some recent graduates uh, recently um i've spoken about this with them because uh the the no the nomadic element of working at at the level where you're where you know where it's finite and it's a, a you know a little bit and for not very long yes it allows you to do lots of different things but it never really allows you to kind of get your teeth into into an, anything much that I'm that's I'm hearing myself say that and thinking, God, Liz, you're sounding really ungrateful. I'm not ungrateful at all. It's just that it's the, uh, I'm very grateful. And Walter was a brilliant experience and she's, she still lives with me. 
of course she does. <laughs> but um, the the opportunity to really explore a character for a for a length of time that's that is very appealing because it's a different. You would then you'd be using different tools in the toolbox. So all the things that you learn, you know, all of the the experience that you've accumulated, all of the things that you learned when you were training some of that stuff I just haven't been able to utilize because I haven't had the opportunity with the roles that have come along for me and I, I think for anyone who really wants to experience being an actor oh, I did hear my, I did hear what that sounded like don't worry I did I did hear what that sounded like but that yeah for me that the opportunity to really get your teeth into something to really put on the put on the jacket of the character but not take it off so quickly that that would be something that I would treasure um you've talked a bit about your experience of, of things like comic-con and that um in terms of that and just generally how has your experience been of, of dealing with fans because it, it's fair to say that this is a series with a massive global fandom, some of them quite well versed <laughs> in yes. the, the tearings and furrings. And I mean, however your character arc went, and however, um, and I will say to the viewers, I have um, I have known and adored Liz for several years now, um, and know you to be charming, but you know, quite a, a low key character in some ways. Um, but you are, with all that in mind, you are now a recognisable part of this massive brand. Um, how have you found your fan interactions to be more at the end of the scale of being part of a big family, or is it very sort of pedestally, or both? Hmm. That's a, yeah, that's a good question, and I think probably the the, the honest answer is is a bit of both it's um yeah they are one of the one of the really beautiful things you know about the connection side of things is that is that they do feel it is a bit of both because you you get you know you the comic cons you sat there at the table the whole reason for being there is so that you can sign their things for them and they honestly they there's some beautiful things that they that they bring you know maps of westeros and and book covers and lots lots and lots of beautiful artwork that, that they have that, that they want you to sign and some some of them are very assertive and are very um very well practiced at, and completely unfazed by by who they're meeting i mean admittedly it's me it's not you know kit harrington or amelia clark or uh, jason momoa but it, nevertheless you know they they some of them do come to you with a with an with an ease that you wouldn't normally expect for two strangers who don't know each other and then, and then there's the other end of the spectrum with the you know the, the the beautiful humans who find it really difficult to to come up to you because they feel so much about what you have what you've been a part of and I suppose for me that that side of it, you know, when, when you get, and I, I have to admit, in my experience of that is it, it tends to be the the adolescence, you know, young. I'm going to say between the ages of eighteen and twenty one, 
um they're, they're the ones who tend to be a bit you know they'll walk past the deaths a few times in order to drum up the courage within themselves to to come and say hello I'm also very aware that you know that that you know that might not just be age related that could be for any number of reasons you know Game of Thrones is a fantasy television show it it gives as it gives us as humans and as community a, a particular it is a particular genre and it will attract a particular type of personality to it um and I, and you know sometimes I've been very aware of that so I have felt fortunate that I that my life experience has meant that I am able to be unperturbed by that if you see what I mean that that I you know or at least I hope that I've that I'm able to generate an energy of approachableness you know so that so that they don't feel in any way not able to come and have that conversation um so Wrexham was brilliant because it was my first one and it gave me the opportunity to understand what this was in, a, in what felt like a really safe environment. But Germany, Munich, a couple of years ago now is probably my favourite one because um, uh, things like the photo shoots, you know, uh, quite a few people bring toy dogs, toy stuffed dogs. <laughs> And um, and my absolute favourite one from Munich it was a guy who a chat I remember his name his name is Alex, and he came he came to have a photo shoot with me, and he came, he made sure that I saw his t-shirt. He had had a t-shirt made with colourful poodles, with um with who let the dogs out, un under these colourful poodles, and he said to me. I, I had this t-shirt made for you for this photo <laughs> and he said I chose poodles for you I chose poodles for you and I was just I, that that to me that that was if I never do if I never do another comic con again I'm okay with that because Alex and the who let the dogs out t-shirt perfect could I use that story you of course yeah yeah well, Alex, I hope I hope you actually watch this. I hope you see this. You have, you made an impression, and um, the um, you you do as, as I've, I've said. My, my last question: you you know live a comparatively low-key life. You enjoy your family time, and you do fairly well in terms of balancing everything. How important is it, do you think, for someone who works in the performing arts? to try and maintain that balance and look after their, their mental health as well as the health of their career? Oh, gosh. It's so, it's so important and because it's so massively intertwined. You know, I rejection is such a, a massive part of what, of what an actor does, you know, and, and learning to live with that, especially when you... And I, you know, I, I find that a lot, a lot of the people that I know in the industry do. I mean, you know, one, one in four adults will experience mental health issues in their lifetime. I think the inherent nature of a performer 
might lead them to be more susceptible to mental health issues and it can be a really harsh industry to be working in it really can and if you're if you're if you if you've been knocked slightly off center it can you know it, it, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a slippery slope so you really do have to take care of yourself you really do have to put your your mental health at the top of your priority list because you can't when i when i say you can't do your job if you're not healthy you get absolutely you can some of the best some of the best actors you know and are and it's the same in any industry some of the most successful people that you know have been experiencing these these issues um and have been living through them and taking good care of themselves which is enabling them to work but i think particularly when you're a jobbing actor and you do have to deal with rejection on a daily basis you do have to walk into a room and be able to hold your head high and deliver being as healthy as you possibly can before stepping foot in that room is really important so you do have to do that and you do have to work out what centers you and what balances you and be be incredibly mindful of that just as mindful as having good training and of keeping your training up to date and keeping in practice it, it all it really all has to be part and parcel i mean that's not i'm i'm not saying anything new there because i think every everybody who's touched on health and being healthy living in this particular world in the, the way that this particular world is structured at this particular moment in time there's there's a massive spotlight on on health um and moving away from from the stigmas of those things but it is it's a job for it's a job for every day and you you can't you have to be able to walk into that room when you when you're pitching for a job when you're when you're going in for an audition you are essentially pitching for a job and it's not it's not necessarily about how good an actor you are i mean it is but as many casting directors producers everybody in the industry will say to you you're only in the room because they believe that you're capable of playing the part so so you've sort of ticked that box already the rest of it then is about you holistically and the project and your compatibility with and in order to be that so the yeah i suppose what i'm trying to articulate very badly is that once once you've been invited to audition you can tick the box that goes i am a good actor i can act and you can let that go so when when you get into the room what you're what you are doing is you are delivering what you would be like to work with And that's that's the that's the thing where I think mental health gets in the way sometimes or can or can cause issues. And and I'm absolutely speaking from personal experience because I know that I have walked into rooms 
on days when I am not at my best. And whilst they are very understanding about that, and there is a, there's a lot of support and there's a lot of empathy for that because we collectively, we all experience it and we're very well aware of it. We are woke to it. Nevertheless, it's a job interview and those people have to be able to see from you that you can deliver. So if you are not at your best and that's making you slightly withdrawn or not allowing you to give as much as you ordinarily would, that that can have a that can have a negative effect. Yeah. It can. Well we I mean we have well, we had a guest on um, earlier in the series who who sits on the other side of the table and who did say that, you know, two things to remember. Uh, firstly, casting directors do not cast shows or or TV series. They put lists together to put in front of directors who cast shows. Um, and also, um, yeah, that you know, she's saying that um, when she is casting, uh, she um, uh, said, I, I'm also considering, do I want to spend, many of theatre, do I want to spend two, three months of my life in the company of this person? And um, the, um, so yeah, I would chime, I'm sure you'd chime with me on that as well. It's, it's you know, to, for anybody watching to bear that in mind too. And, and on a which is why you must take care of yourself because on a human level it's disappointing enough not to book a job because you're wondering you know because you wonder oh, you know I, I forgot that line or I didn't say that line quite right or I didn't get the intent I didn't nail it on that occasion you know thinking about your performance but at the same time as you know you as as having that doubt you also have the doubt then oh gosh they didn't like me <laughs> Not yeah. my interpretation of the character, but me, and that's so that's 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 so hard. That's so hard, which is why you must take care of yourself, and you you know you you must have support and structures in place around you to be able to to get you through that. Because once you once you're aware of it, you can't become unaware of it. And then before you even step in the room, you're doubting yourself, you're second guessing yourself, and th and then it, and it's a snowball effect, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's. I mean, you've cast shows before in the past. I have cast shows in the past. We've both sat on that side of the table, and I'm sure we'd be in agreement from you know what you've said as well. If you are in the room, it's because they think that you could do it. I. I think the two things I always take away from it is I don't often make massive character judgments about the actors themselves as people because I do not have time to do so. They are in that room for five, ten minutes. The only times that I ever make character judgments about actors are those who are naturally really, really lovely and have just come in and lit the room up just by how they talk to us before they even do anything. And I would say 99.9% .9 of those people don't even realise they're doing it because that's just how they, how they are. And the only other people I make character judgments about are the people who come in and are incredibly rude to us. <laughs> and uh, But I have not had somebody walk across the door of an audition room where I'm chairing the panel where I have not wanted each and every one of those people to be the person I give that job to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think most casting directors um, 
feel exactly the same way, Paddy. You know, in fact, I, I, I'm going to assume that, you know, the, the sort of sample of them that I have met and had conversations with and listened to the Q&As where inevitably, you know, what, what the actors are asking is, what do I have to do to book a job? And the casting, the casting director's like, well, there's no, there's no pretty little packaged up answer to that for you. You know, I, I can't, there is, you know, there isn't a, a sound bite that I can give you that's suddenly going to make you book every, you know, every job you go in for. Because the reality of the situation is you, you're a human and humans are messy. And, you know, the, those, one, those ones that you were talking about that have walked into the room and just lit the room up completely, the following day might have gone in and because they got hassled on the bus or it's too hot or they had an argument with their partner before they left the house, we, you know, we, all of these things um, can, can affect how you, how, you come, how you come across. And as understanding as the industry can be about it, as understanding as every industry can be about it. I mean, when I started doing drama club, I, the drama club that I started with was run by an old school Lambda battle axe. That's the only, that's the only word that I can use to describe her. A brilliant woman and a brilliant teacher, genuinely a brilliant teacher, but, absolutely no shit and I believe that the through line of the industry is just as tough today empathetic though it is is just as tough as she was back then and that is leave your stuff at the door so not, not only as an actor do you have to be a good actor you know have those tools in your toolbox to be able to execute the the character um and do the work on the script that you need to do etc etc before you get in the room but you also have to be a master of yourself you have to be able to leave stuff at the door and at certain times in life that's going to be really really difficult to do it is going to be really difficult to do and you know some days some days being the light in the room is the hardest thing for you for you to be able to be <laughs> yeah. along along with everything else that thing about balance you know about about having everything about being able to have everything and to be able to to juggle it it's a lot it is a lot so a big skill as an actor to learn is how to center yourself and balance yourself so that you can take all the external away from you when you walk into that room so that you can be the light and they can feel that that you are uh, it feels wrong to say that you are a good person because of course because you are a good person of course you're a good person you know even if you're having a bad day you're a good you're a good person and clearly a clearly a half decent actor otherwise you wouldn't be in the room as you've said paddy time you know they they don't have time to give you breathing space so for actors that ability to work at pace and that and that a bit which is absolutely 
I'm just repeating myself now, which is why you must take care of your mental health because you can't work at pace and you can't light up a room if you haven't done that work on yourself. I would say having had people who I often have, maybe I have gone on to work or maybe I haven't, but people who come into audition in front of me who have been truly lovely people having a bad day, you do normally, even if they are in the middle of it, get a nugget of what they would be like if that layer was taken taken away. And yeah, it's it's uh, the, the sort of conversation I could go on and have if we were down the pub and um, I, <laughs> not having no, to film this and, you know, we can name names. Um, <laughs> you've also worked as a director and a producer and as an agent's assistant. Um, do you think having ensured that you have experience in the engine room of the business of entertainment helps you as a performer? And, and do you have a particular yearning to do more of some of these off-stage or off-camera jobs? Ah, uh, um, Yeah, I'm so incredibly grateful for every experience that I've been able to have. Um, and certainly, certainly, so my the very first agent that I got was Actorum, which is a cooperative agency founded by the likes of Julie Walters et al. Uh, you are the in second the... Actorum person in this series, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's the first? The first one was a, is that he's quite new to it because he's he's only just fairly fresh out of the box. It's a uh, chap called Mark Zayat, who's also the director of Ethereal Theatre. So um, those of you who want uh -huh. to go back and have a look at him as well. Sorry, I interrupted you. Please carry on. No, not at all, my darling. Um, yeah, so uh, so Actorum, and it was it was that was absolutely the right thing for me. So me as a person, my my value system says that a cooperative is the is the way to go, um, and I do genuinely believe that I found my my soulmate in an agent <laughs> that is Joanna Hull. Uh, um, because yes, I, I absolutely credit, I wouldn't have had anywhere near the, the career that, that I did have if it, if it hadn't been for Actorum and if it hadn't been for Joe, um, particularly. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to have, to have been afforded the opportunity to have, to have lived that creative life and to have experienced all of those things. I think I'm probably, I think the, the really honest answer to this question is I'm probably at a juncture in my life and also in my creative life where I actually don't know <laughs> I don't know what is next I don't know what is coming next um and I I don't know what that means or how really to to answer the the question because okay. they, because because it's because I want everything I want more of everything and at the same time I know I know that I'm not ready for more of everything yet. Uh, so more of everything yeah. but just not right now. Yes yeah I, that's a very good way of putting it yes more, more of, of everything, everything not, not right now yes I mean I, I am a great believer in well I would be given given the way my my life has gone given given the way you know because in 
in my head, in the movie of my life, Paddy, we're talking about movies, in the movie of my life, I badgered that Lambda battle axe into taking me on early because I, I knew at six years old, I knew this was me. <laughs> I made her teach me. I was successful in drama competition. I was successful in youth theatre productions. Um, and then in the movie of my life, the thing that happens next is that I managed to convince my parents that it's okay to let me go down the drama route and take a BTEC national diploma in performing arts and then potentially go on to university or potentially just start working. Um, let's pretend that I do my BTEC national diploma and that I actually do listen to my mother's advice and go and get go and get a degree and then possibly even a master's uh, and then you know apply to the drama schools like I did and when I get in actually have the money to be able to go <laughs> in the in the movie of my life that is that's how it worked out and I was wildly successful and it was just a whole other life but that's the movie of my life in in uh, and a wonderful fantasy in reality in reality what happened was is I worked really hard I got lost a little bit in you know life life got in the way I, I got lost a little bit I came back to it I had a, I had a little bit of success and now I'm in a period of of downtime again a, a period of consideration and given everything that's going on right now with the industry I mean the industry has changed massively since I started working professionally officially in 2010 you know it's it, I, 2020 is my 10-year anniversary of working in the industry professionally and it's such a wildly different landscape to the one that i to the one that i started in and as, as a result for that as, as a result of that rather i sort of feel like a, a pause button has been hit and i have done that partly myself because of life things going on i've needed to press the pause button on it but i also think the industry itself there's there's a bit of a pause well, i don't think i know there is a very big pause happening right now and what what that landscape is going to have is going to look like in the future and where my place in it might be is very much a philosophical question at this moment in time there is no there is no way of knowing at this moment in time how that's going to go bearing all that in mind um and looking at it hypothetically if you like what do you want to achieve that you haven't achieved yet? It doesn't have to just what be work. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the answer to that question is a series regular. Hmm. That's yeah. So to, to experience to experience that side of of working in the of working in the industry hmm. and to yeah, a, a lead role. Uh, yeah. 
And whether in life or career, what would you say your proudest achievement is? Having one, full stop. <laughs> Genuinely, because on paper, how did that happen? I didn't, I, I have no connections. I didn't, I didn't classically train. I, in moments I have terrible mental health. So being that person who walks into the room and lights it up is not something that I, that I necessarily have a guarantee of. Um, and then I moved out of London. <laughs> so, you know, genuinely, genuinely, my, my absolute proudest thing is that I have one. I have, I, yes, I have one. Are you happier out of London? Yes, yes, I am. It's, it's all, it's always a trade-off, Paddy. It's all, it's always a trade-off, you know. And there, are, it would, it would be wrong of me to say moving out of London is the reason that my career slowed down or I haven't had as much opportunity as, as I would have liked, or, you know, um, we, I am, it's possible from, from a particular perspective, because of the amount of time that I'd spent in London and because of knowing the fringe in London better, it's possible that connections in London would have kept me working in theatre, in fringe theatre, more than than has happened up here i've i have tried to open to open some doors uh, up here for myself i've tried you know i've i've tried to build uh, build a network but i have found it much harder whether that's whether that's because i'm older whether that's because it's really established up here whether what i'm not i'm not quite sure i'm not quite sure why but it just hasn't been as uh, it just hasn't been as easy as London in my in from my perspective as London was. But of course I was I was a different I was different then. <laughs> and you know, yeah. So from from that perspective, the possibly Possibly there have been some elements of moving out of London that have made things more of a challenge. But everything else, you know, all, all the other life stuff, uh, yes, much, you know, much, much improved. And what keeps you going? Oh that little six-year-old who just knew <laughs> i know I, that sounds very uh sounds very, very mr freud <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but yeah genuinely it, again with some recent graduates talking about about this particular subject they didn't ask me quite as as directly as that what keeps you going but it but it did come up and ultimately whether whether I am successful or 
not or you know conventionally so the reality is is that this this is who i am this is this is such an integral part of me that it won't ever not be mm. a part of my life yeah. what form that takes i i don't i don't know and i'm so sorry to be completely different to the rest of the world and its infrastructure that that says to you that you must know where you're going and you must have goals and you must have things that you that you aspire to and you must be tenacious and um make your own luck make your own opportunity what well, i understand that i do understand that and perhaps it's just who i am at this particular moment in time but I'm very happy with what I've achieved and I'm very happy with, or rather I'm very secure in the knowledge that it is part of who I am mm. and that when opportunities come my way that are right for me, I will be, I, I, I will meet them. I will always have an appetite for it. If you know what I mean, it just might, that appetite just might not be, conventionally what it's supposed to be if you know what i if you if that makes any sense at all it probably doesn't no it makes perfect sense um to use a phrase that it seems that i use at the start of because it's i'm having to introduce it to each guest so apologies to viewers for having to listen to it again uh, one of the casualties of 2020 was the late james lipton um, founder of Inside the Actor Studio, who I know you adored, Liz. And, um, <laughs> so yeah. In honour of him, I have uh, stolen, and we do give special thanks to his estate at the end of every episode, um, I've stolen the 10 questions that we ask every guest at the end of each interview before he goes into the floor. So let's get... You literally bucket list item. You are helping me tick it off. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite word? Bollocks. And what's your least favourite word? Girth. What turns you on? <laughs> so, so in my mind, this is the job. Hello, couple. Um, so, the the first thing in my mind there was love, but I realised that 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 that's <laughs> what turns you on, love. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, that that the word that came into my head was love. Love is the thing that turns me on, but I don't necessarily mean it in a sexy way. I mean, I do mean it in a sexy way, but I don't mean it in a sexy way. I just mean genuinely, yeah, human capacity for love. And what turns you off? Human capacity for destruction. Being a twat. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, there are so many. Let me choose one. Um, sound or noise do I love? Oh, okay. So uh, in my mind there, I, um, so you say what sound, sound or noise do you love? And in my mind, I'm like, 
the ocean, my family laughing, the dog barking, the kitten trilling. Like there's, there's, there's too many. There's, there's, there's too many. There are so many sounds that I love. Too, the noises of the noises of your personal life. Sounds nice like that. Oh yes, yes, that's it. yes. Let's let's go with that. Every, every, yes, everyday hubbub. And what sound or noise do you hate? Sirens, like la loud, loud, high-pitched, unnecessary, anxiety-inducing sirens. What is your favourite swear word? Beautifully delivered. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, the reason that I have my own is because all of them want to do all of them. <laughs> um, yes, gen genuinely, I, I yes, I, yeah. All of them. I mean, a recent favourite. I've been looking at forestry. <laughs> Don't know what. <laughs> have. Even though you have said all of them, what profession would you absolutely not ever want to do? Actually, uh, yes. So I've said all of them. All of them except counsellor and llama farmer. Ooh. That's counsellor, as in as you know, psychotherapist counsellor, not as in local politician. Uh. <laughs> oh yes, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I would like local politician. In fact, I'm absolutely positive that I wouldn't like local politician. <laughs> uh, but yes, I yes, I I mean yes, counsellor as in so, as in yes, psychologist. Yeah, llama farmer. Uh. Uh, my mother will take the the llama farmer role off you. She'd love to be a llama farmer. Um, no, llamas, llamas are evil. No, there, there should be no llama farmers because there should be no llamas. They, they, no. D they, have you not seen their faces? They are just waiting. But I'm almost positive that 2020 has been directly brought about by the llamas on purpose. Do you, do, does that, does that antipathy extend to alpacas as well? Or Yes. Yeah, <gasps> I can't have that, please. But you know, no, they're, they're, they're the same. They, they, they're the same. Twenty twenty is their fault. And soft, and they don't spit as much. It doesn't matter if they're small. Small things are often more vicious than large things. <laughs> Question ten: If you, when your time comes, whatever you may or may not believe in life. If you wake up the far end of it and find heaven does exist, what would you like to hear said to you on arrival? It's all right. You can have another go. <laughs> uh, had a few questions sent in. Joe from Stockport asks, um, now we've, we've, we have spoken about this project before, um, you got to work with some of our most wonderful elder actors in Scotland vs Zombies several of whom, alas, now no longer with us. Um, if it's not too indiscreet, who was the most fun to work with? And including that project, but just generally in acting, who do you look up to most? Oh, gosh. Uh, 
so so Cockneys versus Zombies, yeah, it was an absolute stellar cast. I know I know we've already spoken about Honor, and I think everybody <laughs> probably tell how much I adored adored her. Um, but it, it, working, getting to work with Richard Briers, you know that again from from my childhood, you know the, the sitcoms that I grew up, you know watching in in my house. So getting the opportunity to work opposite Richard Briers was really that was really very special for me. And I, yeah, I mean I, I yeah I loved that project from the second I saw that I had been put up to you know, as an, as an option for Natasha the nurse, right through to finishing, you know, right through to wrapping. It was a, a really, yeah, really wonderful experience. And in general, who, who do I, in general, who do I look up to? Oh, oh there's so just, there are so many, aren't there? There are just so many that you could, That one could choose from. Um, I think uh, so. One, one of the things that they that they're always asking you when you're when you're training is, you know, whose career would you like? And for me, the if I was going to have somebody else's career, then I think I would go for Tony Collette. I think I yeah she. She, I think, has got the right balance of 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 stuff. I'm not sure I could do what she does, or 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 do it quite quite as well as she as she does it. I I think I would miss the comedy element. Although having said that, I've just watched Knives Out, and I I thought she was I thought she was very funny, in an incredibly subtle way. I I think. This is a question from Aisha in South London, and so I, I apologise in advance, uh, Aisha, if if your question has been um, foreshadowed earlier. Um, but she asked, do you have a good relationship with dogs, or are you traumatised forever? <laughs> uh, they were they were scary dogs. They were they were proper security dogs. They were Italian mastiffs. They were beautiful creatures, but we were we were under very strict instructions. Don't touch the dog. Don't look at the dog. Don't breathe near the dog. Try, if you can, not to think about the dog. Pretend the dog isn't here, because if you if your energy shifts in slightly the wrong way, it's going to have your face off. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just... heartening to be given instruction like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Because of course, you know, there, there we were, you know, even and I going, ah, doggies! No, these are not doggies. These are dogs. Oh dear. Um, the um, but I think the fact that you have one there with you is is probably yes. um, a sign enough that 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 you you've 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 gotten past that story. Um, yeah. Susie in Minnesota uh, asks if you are still um, available for conventions and will we see you at any across the pond? Oh, well, um, yeah, yes, absolutely, of course. What, you know, one of the things about being part of something like Game of Thrones is that I think you do have a responsibility to the, 
to the fan base to to be available and yes absolutely should i be asked i would very much like to 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 have the experience of of going over to to america but i do you know also recognize at the same time that um now that the show is over some of the some of the the more prevalent cast you know the, the main cast are likely to be available to the to the fan base and i think it's only right that the fan base get to get to interact with them i like the fact that walder is a bit niche and um, yes there is a part of me that that hopes that i get wheeled out for the 10th anniversary and the 20th anniversary and because yes certainly the i certainly do enjoy talking to the talking to the fans and yeah if i can if i can be a if i if that is wanted then absolutely Um, I, I am personally aware of uh, an occasion shortly after one time when the two of us met up uh, where you were going in not as a booked guest but going to a local convention and you had a bet with your husband <laughs> that no one would recognise you um, and that uh, whoever lost would have to buy dinner. Um, who won? Uh, I did. You did. You got through an hour without being. Well, fan base, shame on you. Uh... <laughs> even even better is that um, London Comic Con. I, I went to the uh, the MCM one, the the one at the Excel Centre. We took our nephew there as you know just for, for as a birthday gift we you know he came down to london he stayed with us we we took him and i managed to walk around that convention for hours with not what not even not even one double take occurred and then there was the most and this is the thing about 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 fan bases they they really are they're so dedicated and they're so creative I've got pictures of me with um, a chap dressed as Jon Snow and a and a, um, a woman dressed as Daenerys with like with like a, a scale dragon on her shoulder um, and you know and I've got a picture of me standing between the pair of them because they they looked wonderful they you know they, they cost, honestly they they've done such a brilliant job with their costumes I've got a picture of me standing between them they didn't, they didn't have a dick one one assumes that when you're that when you're you're dressed like that you are an uber 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 fan yeah. completely understand that they they're uber fans of you know Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen but I, I'm standing in the in the middle of them and nothing, just nothing. <laughs> Did you? And I, I, because knowing you as I do, I I feel you probably didn't let them in on the on the on the joke either, did you? Or did you say to them? No. No. <laughs> no. 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 Because then then you're getting into the territory. Do you know who you I know am? Who I am. <laughs> 
answer to that is not do I know, but do I care? And being an actor with fragile ego, I, I don't I don't No, thank you very much. No, but also that it's, yes, I, I suppose I, I, from one perspective, it's a little bit mean that I do take a sort of dark glee from being able to insert myself in that in that way. Um, but at the, at the same time, they may very well, they may very well not care at yeah. all that it, that it was me and that, and that I was there. Of course, the, 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 you was having the pictures taken. I wonder what would have happened if they'd had a picture of that as well, and then somebody had pointed that out to them. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know, if you, I'm going to share this on uh, when this gets published. I will share the link on a few Game of Thrones fan sites if you were those people. Um, <laughs> now you know. Um, the. Um, <laughs> Maybe if you'd brought the dog with you. Um, <laughs> that's what I should have done As, admittedly my, my sister-in-law did say to me well you c it's no like you have to go you, you have to put a wig on you, you have to put a long dark wig on because you know I've got short hair and quite often you know quite often I'm not completely brunette so yeah I suppose from that from that point of view I suspect that there are things that I could do to help them along with it but yeah. But why? Well, exactly. That kind of that sort of ruins <laughs> my fun. I quite that you know that that dark glee of being able to walk around, and uh, and and having having the the anonymity still, even with the uber 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 fans. <laughs> I think it was like Daniel Radcliffe once spent an entire day at Comic Con, but he dressed up in a full body Spider Man morph suit, and no one had a clue. <laughs> Going around posing for photographs of people. Um, Finally, Sunil in Birmingham asks, if you were offered the chance to play any role of your choice at all, is there one that you would pick? Which is just like any, any Anything role. established at all, yeah, theatre, whatever. I mean, if it was, I mean, I suppose it's quite, it's quite a, sorry, Sunil, but this, it is a slightly broad question that we're talking about lots of different media here. I mean, I think it's easier to pick that one if it's a theatre role, really, isn't it? Because it's more likely to be revised. Or is there a type of character that you would like to play? Or is there something that you, other than, obviously, if you said a series regular, but is there something you want to portray? Guilty pleasure, complete and utter guilty pleasure. Um, I, I, action, I love action films. I, I do. I, they're, they're my go-to. So something like Taken is um yeah yeah i like mean uh, the, yeah well like the you want to be the the female liam neeson basically but in taken yeah i mean uh, pretty pretty much from that from that perspective anything charlie's theron can do i'd i'd like to do yeah um yeah yeah so uh, yeah something in in action which is quite it's offensive given that I'm five foot six and portly. Should we say portly? <laughs> not not exactly your conventional action hero. 
I've always um, got, preferred when describing myself the phrase Rubenesque, actually. But, Rubenesque. Uh, Rubenesque. I'm very definitely, yes, very definitely Rubenesque. Yes, I know what you mean. Um, but then, I, but then I think to myself, yeah, come on, I could, I can, I can totally do it. I can totally do it. <laughs> all, all, oh, well, well, yes. Uh, from a from a theatre point of view, oh, there's so there's so much. There's there's oh my goodness, there's so much. Lady M springs to mind. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Oh my gosh, there are just there's there are so many. Yeah, I d- I d- yeah. The the thing that springs to mind is is Lady M. She she made a big impression on me in my youth, and I think she she'll always stay with me. Um, in in that sense. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of plays. Oh, there's so there's so many. There's yeah, there's there's so many there's so many that I love and so many roles that I would you know that I that I would love to take. I, I suppose this sort of feeds into you know what, what I say about I I'll take it as it comes because that that has always been my way and always will be my way. It doesn't mean that I don't have ambition. It doesn't mean that I don't have aspiration. It just means that I am comfortable in the knowledge that this is who I am and then what whatever you know what whatever comes my my way is very welcome and and very sustaining on which note Elizabeth Webster thank you very much indeed thank you that was really good fun You've been listening to Dark Unicorn in Conversation with Elizabeth Webster. The show was written, presented, and edited by Paddy Cooper. Theme music by Curtis Batson. Special thanks to the estate of James Lipton, HBO, and Sky Living. The show was executive produced on behalf of Dark Unicorn Productions Limited by Eleanor Stafford. COVID-19 presents one of the greatest threats to theatre in living memory. The performing arts need you now more than ever. Please, consider supporting our work by becoming a patron, with packages starting at just £50 per year to be a rainbow unicorn. Just visit darkunicorn.org. Science helps us solve problems, but creativity helps us cope with them. Please don't let the performing arts be another casualty of the pandemic. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.